Hello and welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. On today's episode, Kyle and I are going to talk about back pressure regulators. We're going to walk through 10 applications for a back pressure regulator. Let's do it. Good morning, Kyle. How's it going? I'm doing well, Curtis. How we're, are you? I'm doing good. We're, we're here in uh, Chile, Oklahoma City. Yeah. Uh, 8, uh, 22 a.m. This is, I think, normally we do them in the afternoon. This is kind of an early recording for us. I think this is the earliest we've ever recorded. So I'm, you're not a coffee guy. No. I've, I've had my coffee. Did you have your donuts or whatever you normally? I, yeah, my chocolate milk and donuts. Smash. Okay. Yep. I smell terrible today. Uh, I, my house, my dog, somebody, something was sprayed by a skunk last night. And I woke up just with watery eyes from the smell, and it was. I thought maybe it would go away by the time I got to work, but I asked both you and producer Denny, and you're like, "Yeah, I thought I smelled." So it's not so strong that I felt comfortable like questioning you about it. But when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, you were like, I, I okay. did smell something. Okay, I'll try to not shuffle in my seat or anything <laughs> to keep it, keep it over here. Yeah. Now, you, you, we had to record early this morning. You said it's either now or November. You got a lot <laughs> of stuff coming up? Yeah, a lot of travel coming up. Okay. I'm going next week. I'll be, uh, last, last week of October, I'll be in uh, Wyoming and uh, then Golden, Colorado, Um uh, talking to some petroleum students and both places yep university of wyoming and then uh, the colorado school of mines yeah yeah, yeah. And they're going to michigan too yep that's uh middle part of november okay i'm going up there to see a customer to do some training for them okay what kind of, is it gas company or uh yeah it's a company called gast um but they make air compressors oh okay g-a-s-t yeah all right, so we have on the podcast today 10 applications for back pressure regulators. Do you think we'll get through all I, 10? I think we can get through all 10. 15 minutes? I think we can do it. Okay, I believe in us. So back pressure regulators, uh, Kim Ray's probably most well-known product, um, first product that kind of put us on the map. The back pressure regulator holds pressure under 300 PSI, so we also want to note that back pressure can also be like an application where you can use a high pressure control valve if it's over 300 psi is that right correct yeah so when we speak of back pressure regulators um yeah it's sub 300 psi um but the control valves you're talking about control valve packages can be used to hold back pressure at you know above 300 psi yeah we were talking about this is there another phrase that people use for back pressure Mm-hmm. And you had one just kind of yeah upstream. they may they may say you know uh, upstream pressure control uh, or just they may say I want to control pressure on X vessel yeah that application is always back pressure all right well let's jump in number one so we've got two and three phase separators so on a separator what is a back pressure regulator doing yeah so really in in all of these applications that we're going to talk about the back pressure regulator is holding a set pressure on a piece of equipment, you know, anywhere from 10 to 300 pounds uh, for these regulators. And what that is doing for the vessel and for the process overall is allowing the liquids that are being separated out uh, to be moved from one place to another. And so without that pressure, you know, a dump valve opens, uh, there's no pressure to push those liquids out of the vessel 
to their next destination. I always love your your water gun example. Can you share that? Yeah, so uh, think of it like a water gun. You can fill a water gun up with water. You squeeze the trigger and nothing is going to happen because first you have to pump it up and pressurize that water tank. So that way when you open up the trigger, you pull the trigger and it opens up that valve. That pressure is forcing out those liquids. All right, so that's on a separator. One thing about separators and really all of these is the position of the back pressure regulator. You know, as separation is happening, you have oil, water, and gas separating from each other. Oil and water will drop to the bottom of the vessel. Water, the lowest oil on top. Uh The gas that separates uh, will travel to the top of the vessel, and that's where the gas outlet is going to be on these vessels. It's always on the top. And then that gas outlet goes directly into our back pressure regulator. So majority of the time, it's just gas. There should only be gas going through the back pressure regulator. Have you seen it done incorrectly or like too low? Okay. Most vessel manufacturers will always have it coming off of the top yeah. of the vessel. Um, the position of the regulator itself, I've seen done incorrectly where there's you know the gas outlet coming off the top of the vessel but then that outlet piping goes all the way to the ground the regulator was installed close to the ground but then the outlet from the regulator went back up so our regulator was basically in the bar- bottom of a horseshoe uh-huh. more or less and so liquids that were falling out of the gas we're collecting. Which is inevitable, right? There's going to be liquids falling right. out. Right. There's so going to be that. some liquid yeah. fallout, um, you know, depending on your conditions and yeah. the condition of the gas. But it's just a terrible spot for the regulator because any liquids that were falling out, we're just collecting right in the body yep. of the regulator, uh, causing it to malfunction. That makes sense. And I assume that's kind of a, you know, just an easy place to put it, but the wrong place. You got to Right. You got to keep it up high. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it up high, but then also just allow the the liquids to be able to drain off. Uh, So the outlet piping, as long as the outlet piping is, you know, uh, horizontal or maybe Mm. even going down from the regulator, that's good. Yeah. Uh, But if it goes back up from there, just creates basically a bowl for all those liquids to collect in right on the regulator. Yep. That makes sense. All right. So number one was separators back pressure regulator on two and three phase separators a second application for back pressure regulators is is a high discharge recycle valve on a compressor talk about that one so on a compressor outlet with a discharge side if the the gas volume and pressure is not able to go anywhere let's say there's a blockage or application like something like a gas lift or something like that if pressure builds over a certain amount uh, it could shut down the compressor because that compressor has a certain window that it operates in both on the suction side and the discharge side and so if that if it goes over that you know that threshold it could shut down the compressor so to prevent that from happening uh, we have a high discharge recycle valve which just monitors that discharge pressure and if it gets over the set point of this regulator, the regulator opens and takes that discharge pressure and recycles it back to the suction side of the compressor. And so it's uh, just that valve opens and it basically just creates a loop for that discharge gas to go back to the beginning of the compressor. So that the compressor doesn't 
stall out or stop. Or, right. Yeah. yeah, you don't want it to stall because uh, that causes other issues. Now it'll it'll remain open until that volume of gas has somewhere to go. And then once that pressure gets back below the set point of the high discharge recycle valve, the valve will close and it'll operate as normal. Will they have something that will alert uh, alert them that there's a yep. blockage of some sort? Yeah, they could have some automation um, set up where they're monitoring uh, the pressure remotely, the discharge pressure. Um, a lot of compressors will have that capability of, you know, on the control panel of the compressor, you'll be able to see discharge pressure, suction pressure, all those different things. But then you can also have it, you know, if it has the capability of uh, remotely sending that to places to to your computer where you can see that remotely, you'll be able to see that, hey, I'm over the set point. I know my di- my recycle valve's open. Um, something's might be going on and you check it out. Yeah. But hopefully that'll keep it going until you can get there and, yep. and, and take care of it. All right, number three is on a vapor recovery unit or VRU. Back pressure is doing what on a VRU? So a VRU is a low pressure gas gathering system uh, that takes vented gas from tanks, uh, control devices, um, any, any vented gas, uh, captures that in gas lines. Um, so we're talking about maybe anywhere from you know a pound up to 20 pounds in that range of vented gas. And um, you know it can go into what's called a VRT or a vapor recovery tower. So all those lines go into one common line, go into this tower. Again, it's like a big separator. But on the outlet of that VRT or the, of the tower will be this regulator. So it's um, back pressure regulator, but it's low pressure. And then most commonly there's a compressor on the downstream side of this uh, back pressure regulator. It's taking that low pressure gas and compressing it you know, to a higher pressure to be able to go into a gas pipeline or maybe be used for supply. It just kind of takes what would normally be flared or combusted and makes it useful by compressing it to a higher pressure. You know, low pressure on the upstream side of this regulator and maybe suction on the downstream side because it's going to a compressor. Okay. It's kind of the specific regulator used would be a low pressure back pressure to vacuum is kind of the long name for this regulator. And so we, we let off talking about high pressure versus um, just standard back pressure regulator. Yep. A low pressure regulator operates at what PSI? So there's three different spring ranges. We have a half ounce to two and a half pound spring. We have a, I believe it's one ounce to five pound spring. And then we have a one pound to 20 pound spring. So really light springs. Um, the regulator looks different than kind of the standard back pressure regulator. The sensing diaphragm is a lot larger just because we're working with lower pressures. So we need that larger surface area to be able to move a spring. Um, And yeah, the springs are a lot smaller and lighter. Very cool, okay. So that's number three is on a VRU. A fourth application for a back pressure regulator is for low pressure on a separate, sorry, on a flash separator. Yep. So this is on a dehydration unit. You have a flash separator to uh, flash whatever vapors are going on in there, right? right? So yeah. So you have, um, you know, uh, in a glycol dehydration or gas dehydration dehydration system, 
Um, the reason why it's called the flash separator is because you have glycol that's under high pressure, usually around 1,000 PSI. So any, uh, any water that it's pulling from the gas, um, you know, and there's, there's some uh, natural gas that's going to be with that water. But, so the glycol is under high pressure. It grabs onto those water molecules. Uh, it goes from a high-pressure system, and then once it goes through our glycol pump, it is then low pressure. So it could be anywhere from, you know, 20 to 50 pounds. So there's a big pressure cut that happens. And with that large pressure loss, you'll have, you know, those water molecules and gas molecules uh, that were in a liquid state or a liquid phase flash into a vapor phase just because they're not under that pressure anymore. And so uh, that's why it's called a flash separator. Uh, but its job is also to, uh, you know, flash the gases off, uh, but also separate any liquid condensate and the glycol from each other. So it's a three-phase separator. So you've got, you know, the gas, you've got condensate, and glycol are the three phases that it's separating. All that to say the back pressure regulator uh, is controlling the pressure on this vessel, typically around 50 PSI, uh, so lower pressure, and... Uh, the gas from the flash separator that travels through the back pressure regulator can go on to uh, be cleaned up and, and reused. Uh, sometimes it's, it's used for, you know, burner fuel supply or a pilot light uh, supply uh, for the reboiler that's on that same unit. But it's yeah typically between 30 and 50 psi is its set point. Let me back you up just a little bit. So on the dehydration unit, mm -hmm. the first thing, the first is this typically the first vessel after uh, processing through the glycol pump is a flash separator. Correct. Yeah. So directly downstream of the glycol pump, this would be the first piece of equipment. Okay. And then the the back pressure regulator is holding pressure on the flash separator. Yes. But also allowing gas through once it's been separated right once it flashes off uh it's it's taking that gas from the flash separator and, and moving it off of it uh the uh, something to keep in mind specifically with this application is the more back pressure that you hold on a, your flash separator um the harder our glycol pump has to work to be able to push you know the glycol into it uh, a lot of, a common problem we see is that flash separator might be held, the set point might be held at, you know, 80, 90 PSI. Well, that's too much pressure to hold against our glycol pump. The glycol pump not only has to push in to that flash separator at that pressure, but it also has to make it through all of the piping, has to make it through all of the filtration. You know, it's, it's pushing the glycol through all of those different systems. And so you can get to the point where the glycol pump will stall because it, it doesn't have enough pressure to to push into those things and through those filters. Does it matter the, we won't get too far down this road, but does mm -hmm. it matter the size of the glycol pump? Uh, no, the, what, the key factor is the operating pressure of the contact tower. So if the contact tower is at 1,000 PSI, a couple things you can do to remedy a glycol pump that's stalling for this specific reason uh, is lower the flash separator set point so, so we, that back we, pressure valve we recommend something like 30 to 50 is that what you said right you want to you want 
you want it to be as low as you can and still operate correctly. So the flash separator needs enough pressure held on it to be able to dump those liquids to push them to their destination, right? Um, but you don't want it so much that it stalls the glycol pump. So, you know, the typical range is 30 to 50 PSI is enough pressure to be able to push the condensate to storage and, um, and push, you know, the glycol to where it needs to go. Um, but it really just depends on your system. But I would say go as low as you can. Um, yeah, low as you can and still move those liquids where they need to go. But the other end of that is you could, you can raise the set point or the pressure that's in your contact tower. That will give you more wiggle room to be able to push those liquids through. All right, so that's number four. Uh, we're we're uh, number five now. So this is a flare valve, a back pressure regulator used as a flare valve. And I'm assuming if this is a situation where you don't have, you haven't started kind of the, the vapor capture, the vapor recovery type situation yet. Right, so this would be like in place of a, a VRU. Or a VRU would re replace a system like this. So if you are flaring right now, this can be used as a flare valve to protect your system. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, again, it's a, a back pressure valve and it will be a low pressure back pressure valve. So, you know, in that one PSI to 20 PSI range, um, but it'll be used to hold back pressure on the gathering lines and then any pressure that, you know, goes over its set point, it's releasing that gas to a flare. And so it's, uh, instead of gathering it, you're just destroying the, the fugitive emissions. All right, that's five. Number six is on a heater treater. So back pressure valve on a heater treater, back pressure regulator, sorry, on a heater treater. What's yep. it doing? Uh, again, it's just holding a, a set point on this vessel uh, to allow the liquids to be moved from this vessel to storage or to uh, further separation. Specifically on a heater treater, um, you know, a common issue that we run into um, is the equalizing lines for the treater valves, which is a, a dump valve specific for heater treaters. They're now called weight-operated dump weight valves. Weight-operated. Yeah. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this still know it as the treater valve. The equalizing lines for those, depending on where you're getting those from. Some people uh, pull them right upstream of the back pressure regulator. And the problem with that is that if the back pressure regulator is open, and there's flow going through, it can actually create a difference in pressure between what's actually in the heater treater and um, what's on the equalizing line. And that causes issue for the weight operated dump valve. Um, so taking your equalizing lines directly from the top of the vessel somewhere in the gas section of the heater treater is optimal. Uh, that's what you wanna do. There's convenient places right on the back pressure regulator to, to take those equalizing lines. Um, resist the temptation. Resist that temptation. <laughs> uh, just try to, you know, and sometimes OEMs don't build a spot in the top of the vessel, you know, to, to take that equalizing line. Uh -huh. uh, but just try to get it away from the back pressure regulator if you can. Yeah. And away from any uh, burner fuel supply lines. It's the same thing if a burner fuel is close. being used, yeah. right? It's 
you know, drawing that pressure and volume away, it could create a, a difference in pressure. Okay, number seven is on a free water knockout. We're going to talk about two-phase and three-phase, but we're going to kind of move into this area of uh, spring-loaded back pressure regulators that can also handle uh, some liquids and not just gas. Correct. So main difference between our gas back pressure regulators and our spring-loaded back pressure regulators is that ability to be able to work with gas and liquid. There's no pilot plug in the spring-loaded back pressure valves, so we don't have to worry about wet gas um, or dirty gas. All it's doing is there's a, a big spring on the top, a bonnet, and upstream pressure is pushing against that spring, and if the pressure overcomes that spring, the valve is opening. Uh, and if the spring overcomes upstream pressure, the valve is closed. And so you can have gas and liquid both travel through this. So for a two-phase free water knockout, that means that the uh, oil and gas in that free water knockout pass through a single valve, and the water goes through a, a separate dump valve. Um, the reason for that is a free water knockout's main job is to knock out the free water. Uh, so this would be really high volumes of water, and you're just trying to get rid of the initial, um, you know, the free water. So free water is the water that is not entrained in the oil, or there's no oil entrained in this water. It's already separated. Uh, you just need a big vessel just to be able to separate it out, knock it out. And so on a two-phase free water knockout, um, both the oil and any gas is going through this spring-loaded back pressure valve, going downstream to the second stage of separation, typically a heater treater. Now in a three-phase free water knockout, you know, you have gas, oil, and water all be set are going to be separated from each other. And you could have you could have a spring-loaded back pressure valve just for uh, the oil. And so, you know, the gas is going out its own, and then the the oil is going through a spring-loaded back pressure valve, and then the water again through a typically a mechanical uh, dump valve or a lever operated dump valve. So would it also have a standard back pressure on it in a three-phase situation? Um, you could have two spring, spring-loaded spring back pressure Just valves. Just in case there's liquid there? Right. Okay. Sometimes it's, you know, the, the spring-loaded back pressure valve, um, you know, if there is a chance of, not only for free water knockouts, but in other applications too, if there's a chance that there's going to be liquids in that line or that's typical that's what you want to use is a spring-loaded back pressure valve and you know that kind of takes us into number eight which is lacked units so that's a lease automatic custody transfer uh, so it is uh, used for oil the sale of oil so after the separation process has been uh, done oil is in storage uh, this could be going into a oil pipeline or into a truck. So a truck oil tanker pulls up, starts uh, to pull oil off of storage into its truck. The lact unit is used to sample the oil to make sure its BS&W levels are uh, correct and not too high. Um, but then it also acts as a pump to pull it into the truck or push it into a pipeline. Uh, but the spring load back pressure valve keeps back pressure on that pump and on the lact unit itself so that it can 
do that process correctly. And typically, since it is oil, you know, this is going to be a spring load back pressure valve because uh, you wouldn't be able to use our back our gas back pressure regulator in this application. How does it know to open? So when the pump kicks on, uh -huh. um, it'll create discharge pressure. So once that discharge pressure gets over the set point of the valve of the spring load back pressure valve, it just pushes the valve open. And so the, you know, you can adjust the spring tension on a spring load back pressure valve to change that set point. And there's a variety of different springs we offer to, to uh, accommodate different ranges of set points. Uh, but you just you adjust that uh, spring tension to change the set point. So we've been talking about this one, the spring-loaded back pressure regulator. Just to describe it, it's kind of a, a that you talk about a spring in the top. It's kind yep. of a cone-shaped top. Yeah, it's on a, it. some people call it a witch's hat <laughs> uh, because it's you know a tall, yep. you know, cone. almost looks like a traffic cone. Yeah, kind of that similar shape because it's a really tall spring, yep. uh, but it's just on top of on top of the valve body. That's right. Who calls it a witch's hat? Uh, several people. I know. So, I, you know, shout out Australia. I know they call traffic cone witch's hats. Okay. Um, but I don't, I forget who, who. Oh, I actual traffic that. cones. They call them witch's hats. Yes. Yeah. That's in right. Australia. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. All right, Kyle. Number nine is a liquid back pressure regulator. So we talked about dealing with some liquids now. Um, this also can handle uh, or can be used if you're looking for an outside supply of air rather than, than gas. But uh, let's talk about this liquid back pressure regulator. Yeah, so the liquid back pressure regulator, as I mentioned before, you, you don't want to use our gas back pressure regulator in wet gas applications or dirty gas applications. Uh, the pilot plug's pretty sensitive to those things, and it can cause it to malfunction if you do get liquid or trash in there. So the back pressure regulator with outside supply, or also known as LBP, liquid back pressure, uses either compressed air or a clean source of natural gas for its supply. So the supply line and the inner workings of the regulator are completely isolated from the flow stream. So even if you had, you know, straight water going through this regulator, um, the outside supply is completely isolated from that. So you would not be venting any water or liquid. Um, this could also be used in applications where uh, environmental concerns. Uh, so instead of, even if you're not in a, a wet gas application or a liquid application, that's why we're kind of, we're changing the name, we're starting to call it a back pressure regulator with outside supply because it can be used where you, you have a compressed air supply line. And so when the valve actuates and changes position, you're just venting air instead of natural gas. Yeah, so as it actuates instead of gas, it's the air going out. So this is, I mean, you know, the first place I heard about it was uh, a compressed air situation. You're going to go talk to an air compressor uh, company in yeah. next month. Uh, increasingly used as, as producers try and navigate this uh, emissions uh, environment and try and figure out, okay, are we going to uh, capture the gas are we, and reuse it? Are we going to vent it or, or move to a non-vent, which we'll talk about in a second? Right. Yeah, or, or going electric. Use, and are we going to go electric? Or can we use, I know, a couple of big, larger companies that are moving to all air compressors for their their operations. 
Okay, so number 10, we've made it. Uh, and this is um, a non-vent back pressure regulator. So we wanted to talk about this again in this environment where people are trying to, you know, asking these questions and trying to figure out how to navigate the, the emissions conversation. Um, so where could a non-vent back pressure regulator be used? So in any of these applications, uh, except for the spring-loaded back pressure valves, um, it can be used in any of those applications. So you can uh, retrofit or convert existing back pressure regulators that do vent. Uh, we have kits for each size regulator where you can convert from a standard to a non-vent back pressure regulator. Um, and you can also order these new as non-vent. So if you have a you know project coming up where you know you're going to want non-vent regulators, you can just order it from the get-go as non-vent. Uh, and basically, instead of venting to the atmosphere when there is a change in position of the valve seat, um, the gas that is normally vented is uh, captured and rerouted to the downstream side of the valve or to the regulator. And so... Uh, you know, all of the gas stays in line, nothing escapes, and it's just a, a way to prevent any vented gas. No, very, uh, very popular product, increasingly so. And we should say also with the, with the outside supply, you can also uh, order that as well. And uh, there's a conversion process you can do as well. Yep, there's a conversion process for the outside supply where you can order it from us as an outside supply and just hook up your supply line directly to it, whether that's compressed air or clean natural gas, either way. Very cool. Anything we missed on this, Kyle? I don't think so. We covered quite a bit. Man, I enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy your travels. Yep. Be safe. We'll connect with you again in a month or so, it sounds like, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll, of course, have links to all the resources that we mentioned, uh, the products and, and uh, training and those kind of things in today's show notes and we'll catch you next time on stuff you should know about oil and gas production. <laughs>